Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. When I am finished, I will say this is the word of the Lord, and if you would please respond, thanks be to God. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, you can have a seat. Well, good morning. morning. Happy Resurrection Day. This uh, This is our big day, isn't it? For those of us who are Christians, this is it. This is where we celebrate that Jesus is alive. That's what Easter is about. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is alive today. He did not just raise spiritually, but he, he rose bodily from the grave. He is alive today and forevermore. Uh, my name is Ben. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I would love to meet you uh, before you leave here. We're just very thrilled that you chose to worship with us this morning and to celebrate Easter with us this morning. Um, we are a church that exists to help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus That's our mission. It's simple. We stay laser-focused on that. And so regardless of where you might find yourself today, whether you are a skeptic or a seeker or you're a follower of Jesus already, we believe that this is a good place for you. And we want to help you to grow in your faith. We want to help you to find Jesus if you don't know him yet. That's the goal of this message today is that you're going to learn more about Jesus more about what hope is according to the Bible, and, uh, and we're going to dig into this passage and just let God's Word, which, which is His spoken Word, this is His God-breathed Word, uh, we're going to just let it speak to us. That's, that's what we're going to do. So if you have a Bible, um, go ahead and, and open it up to 1 Peter so you can follow along. If you don't have a Bible with you today, that's okay. We will have the verses on the screen as we, as we go through it. But let me go ahead and, and pray for us again uh, that, that God would come and teach us and move among us. Father in heaven, thank you for today. Thank you for what today uh, represents and what we celebrate today, and that is that you raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that your son came, lived a perfect life, died in our place, and was risen on the third day. And so we give you thanks and praise for that. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and move in this room, in this time, that you would speak very clearly 
and pointedly and personally to each and every heart. And God, that we wouldn't leave here today without having had an encounter with you. We pray, God, that Jesus would be magnified, that he would be lifted high. And we ask it in his name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, over the last few years, we've been through a bit of a roller coaster, haven't we? Uh, We've been through a global pandemic um, and all of the, the isolation that surrounded that, the fear, the confusion that surrounded that. Um, it's not over yet, We're still dealing with all of that stuff. Um, we've, we've experienced a lot of uh, racial tensions and um, a lot of division in our nation around politics and, um, you know, political leaders that, that have let us down again and again. Um, we've, we've been through economic trouble, right? We've got um, inflation through the roof now. And then as if all that stuff wasn't bad enough, now we got a dictator who's starting a, a war and, and all the trickle-down effects of that. And, um, and it's been a roller coaster, hasn't it? And the question is, how do we live with some stability in a world like this? H- how can we still have confident, joyful expectation in this moment in history, in this place in history? How, what do we stand on? How can we get through this and not be, become cynics? And maybe that's, maybe that's you today. I don't know where you are, but maybe all of this stuff that we've been going through in the last few years has made you cynical. And you don't trust anybody, you don't trust anything, You just figure, I might as well expect bad things to happen all the time. I might as well not get my hopes up about anything. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. Or maybe you're the anomaly in the room, and you're the you're ever the optimist, the glass is always half full. You, you put a lot of faith in humanity and in yourself, and you think, you know, no, it's going to be okay, and that's your mantra, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, um, and then it isn't. And both of these are errors, and neither one of these are what the Bible calls us to. And so I see us falling into a ditch on both sides of the road, and on the one side of the road is depressing cynicism, and we fall into that ditch, and on the other side of the road is uh, empty optimism that's not rooted in reality. And And I see that both of these errors will leave us in the desert of this life. And so the empty optimism is like a mirage. It's like, if I could just get a little, if I could just get to the water, I see it, and, it's, and then you get there, and, and it leaves you empty, languishing in the desert. And the depressing cynicism, on the other hand, is like quicksand. And, you know, you just keep on sinking, and the more you fight it, the more you sink. And, and so you just can't get out of the, this depression, this this frustration all the time. And both of these errors leave you in the desert of this life. But the Bible has a way out. The Bible has a different route for us to take. The Bible 
calls us to a living hope. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about a hope that will not disappoint us. We're going to be talking about a God who makes good on every promise every time. We're going to be talking about a different way to live this life that can look at reality with eyes wide open and still have joyful, confident expectation about the future. And so I believe this morning that God wants to fill your soul with hope. That the Bible would actually say, rather than don't get your hopes up, no, get your hopes up. Just place your hopes in the right thing, or rather the right one. And so let's look together at 1 Peter and chapter 1. And if you're a note taker, um, here's my first point. I have three simple points and that is, the first point is this, it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, we'll read it together. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So, Peter is addressing this letter to Christians, elect exiles. The Bible sometimes refers to Christians as the elect. Elect exiles. He's writing it to Christians who are exiled, who are not living in their homeland, but have been driven out by persecution to these different places, all of which are in Asia Minor, which are in what's known as Turkey today. Um, and so they are spread out in different places. And Peter just addresses that right at the beginning of his letter. He, he reminds them right at the beginning, you are exiles. And the Bible would tell us that Christians are act, actually like exiles in this world. The Bible would tell us that we are actually sojourners. It's a word that you might see in the Bible that means you're someone who's just traveling through. You're passing through in this world. This is not home for you. The Bible would say that we actually belong to a different place, a better place, and we're headed there if you're a Christian. And so um, you might feel at times like out of place, in this world? Does anybody ever feel like this isn't home? Everybody, anybody ever feel? You can, am I the only one? Okay, there we go. Some participation, all right. Yeah, like, like it doesn't feel natural sometimes living in this world most of the time, right? And there's a reason for that. And it's because God doesn't want you to get comfortable here. You see, the Bible would say that this is a temporary assignment, that it's short, it's not going to last long, you're going to blink and it's going to be over, your life's like a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow. It describes us like a blade of grass. <laughs> um, that's the reality for Christians. This is a short assignment, and we belong 
to a kingdom that is not of this world. Romans 14 says that this kingdom that Christians belong to is a kingdom that's characterized by righteousness and joy and peace. Doesn't really sound like America. Wouldn't it be nice to live in a kingdom where righteousness and joy and peace reign all the time, every day, every moment. Oh, that's what we were made for. You know, that's, that's why we feel so out of place here, because we were made for another place. And so Peter addresses this with the beginning of his letter, your elect exiles and He's writing to Christians who, as they live in a foreign land, they're experiencing a little bit of pushback for being Christians. They aren't yet experiencing intense persecution. That will come in about five to ten years from the time that this letter is written. And so it's like, it's like Peter sees it coming. The Christians that are living there, they see it coming, and they're already experiencing a little bit of the rejection, a little bit of the mocking, a little bit of that pushback on being followers of Jesus, and Peter's writing this letter for them in that situation, which if you're a Christian, isn't a whole lot different from our cultural moment, right? We, we experience this. We are living in a world where people look at Christians and we are seen as foolish um, we're seen as, as hindrances to progress. We, we are seen as narrow-minded, right? And, and we're not the only ones in history who have experienced that. That has actually been the normative experience for Christians for 2,000 years. And so the question is what do we do in this experience? What do we do in this uncomfortable place? Do we hole up? Do we build some bunkers and store up some food? Or maybe just lock the doors and hang out on our couch until Jesus comes back or revival comes? No. No, that is not what the Bible calls us to. No, because here's the encouragement for you. It's all part of the plan. Look at what it says. To those who are elect exiles, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. We are where we are in the moment that we are in according to the foreknowledge of God. And so what that means for you, Christian, is that you are here on purpose. You are, what I, when I say here, what I mean is you are in 2022 in Vermont, assuming that you live in Vermont or wherever you live. You are here at this point in history according to the foreknowledge of God. If you're anything like me, then there are times when I think, I wish I lived in some other time or some other place. Or, and, and you know what? This was such an encouraging, encouragement to me this week to look at this and, and remind myself that God has determined 
when we live and where we live. And what that means for every single believer in this room is that you were made for this, this time in this place, that God has preordained works for you, that you should walk in them. You know, if you ever read about the heroes of the faith in the scriptures or in a biography or something and you think, oh, if only I lived at that time and, and had that opportunity in history. But listen, you have an opportunity in this moment in history. In this present darkness is the way that the Bible talks about it. God has placed you to be light. He has works for us to do. He has a mission for us to accomplish. He made us for this. So we need to get out of our bomb shelters and off of our couches and get out there and stir the pot. And when I say stir the pot, I mean love your neighbor sacrificially. I mean live boldly for the glory of King Jesus. I mean actually serve your neighbor. Live out there in the real world where God wants to use you. But how? How? How how do we actually do that? I mean, it sounds great, right? But how? If we're going to do that, we're going to experience some pushback, right? We're going to experience setbacks. We're going to encounter trials of various kinds. So how do we do that? If we're going to do that, we need an unshakable confidence, don't we? And that's what the rest of the sermon is going to address. We need unshakable confidence in order to live boldly and love sacrificially in this dark world. So look with me at the next verse, at verse 3. We'll read it together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll just stop there for a second. Peter is writing this letter or dictating this letter, and he, he's about to say something, and so he just pauses and, and worships for a minute. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ! Exclamation point. He, before he can move on, he just needs to worship. He just needs to throw up some praise. Because what he's about to say is astonishing. It's amazing. It's world-changing. And here's what he says. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. Hallelujah. Now, if you don't understand why that is a massive statement, let me explain it. When he says born again, he is referring back to something that Jesus said. So back in John chapter 3, Jesus sits down with a religious leader, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, and they're having a conversation. Nicodemus, is it seems like he's searching for the truth, but he's not there yet. And here's what Jesus says to him. He says, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he will not see the kingdom of heaven. 
And Nicodemus is confused by that. He's like, how can you be born a second time? That makes no sense. And Jesus says, he goes on to explain, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. The flesh produces flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Only the Spirit can produce spiritual life. And so what he's getting at and what the Bible teaches is that when we're born, physically we're alive, but spiritually, because of our rebellion against God, which I'll get into in a bit, when we're born spiritually, we're not alive, we're dead. Ephesians chapter 2 would say that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so what that means is that because God is spirit, then the part of you that can relate to God and know God and love God and worship God and desire God doesn't exist. It's dead. Human beings are born, turned completely inward on ourselves. So we love ourselves. We pursue selfish pursuits. We want our own selfish desires. We don't love God or serve God or honor God or worship Him in and of our own selves. And so, what needs to happen? We've got to be born again. We've got to be born of the Spirit. And in order for that to happen, we need to hear the good news, the Bible says, the gospel means good news. We need to hear the good news, and then we need to believe it. And to believe it, it looks like turning away from trusting yourself, leading your life the way that you want to lead lead it, and turning to Him, it's called repentance, turning to Him to trust in Him and let Him lead. Those are the two things that need to happen for a person to be born again. But what is the gospel? If we need to believe the gospel, we need to know the gospel. We need to hear the gospel, remember I said. So let, let me tell you what the gospel is so you can hear it. I'm going to explain it in four simple truths. Four simple truths. Truth number one is a holy God. Truth number two is a rebellious human. Truth number three is a perfect sacrifice. And truth number four is a resurrected Lord. And let me go through those. So point number one, a holy God. The Bible says that God is holy. He's perfect. He's morally pure and upright. There's no darkness in Him. There's no shadow in Him. There's no evil in Him. There's no lie or deception in Him. There's no sin in Him, no wickedness. He's perfect. He's holy. He's completely other. He's totally unlike us. He is holy, 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 it says in Isaiah chapter 6. He is not like us. He's perfect. That's who God is. And the second truth is that we are sinners. Every single one of us, we have all gone our own way. We have all rebelled against this holy God. In other words, the creature rebels against the Creator. 
The, the Creator makes us, gives us life, designs us, breathes into us, and then puts us in the world that He created and He designed to go as He designed it, and we say, no thanks, I'll do it my way, thank you very much. And that is sin, that is rebellion, and when we do that, it separates us from a holy God. God is so holy that it says in the Bible that He cannot even look upon sin. And so it separates us from a holy God. There is a gulf between us and Him. But then, the third truth is that He sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, the life that no human being has ever lived, but the life that we needed to live in order to be right with God. Jesus lives that perfect life, and then He says, I will pay the price for the sin and rebellion of humanity. And so he goes to the cross and he takes in his body our sin. And on that cross, he takes the penalty for our sin, for all of our lying, for all of our hatred, for all of our adultery, for all of our stealing, for all of our not honoring Him, rejecting God, ignoring God and the world that He created. Jesus takes it all upon Himself and pays the full price for it. And at the end of His life, as He's hanging there on the cross, He cries out and He says, it is finished. Price paid in full. And he breathes his last. And he's buried. That's the third truth we need to know is that Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice for our sin. But there's a fourth truth. And that is what we celebrate today that three days later, after he was buried, Jesus Christ's heart started beating again. And he opened his eyes and he got up and he walked out of the grave victorious. And God the Father has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom we crucified. He is Lord and Christ. Lord and Savior. And He reigns now. He has ascended into heaven and He reigns on a throne. He reigns over the universe. The Bible says He is the King of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. The Bible says that one day every single knee will bow before Him and confess that He is King, that He is Lord. But Jesus, when He rose from the grave, He gave us a way to be forgiven of all of our sins. If we will turn away from our sinful, independent lives, going our own way, and turn to Him and trust and believe Him and believe this good news about Him, about what He accomplished on our behalf, if we will do that, then our sins will be completely forgiven. 
The Bible says that he will wipe our slate clean. He will give us a brand new start. There will be no condemnation for us. That is the good news of the gospel. And when a person believes that, they are born again. Inside of us, the Spirit comes alive. I remember the day that this happened for me as a college student. I was living the American dream in many ways, you know, going to school and partying on the weekend and had all these friends and secretly became miserable in my sin. Go to the party, be the life of the party, drunk, come home, weeping, empty. Is this really what life is? Is this it? And in God's great mercy, something in me changed and I started to seek God. Something in me changed and I went from caring nothing about God to feeling desperate to find out who he was. He says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. (laughs) He initiated it. If you believe in Jesus Christ, give him praise. He started it. It wasn't your idea. And I remember the night that it all clicked for me after I'd been reading the Bible for a year, searching for a year, going to church services in different places. And finally, one night, the light came on. My roommate, he yelled up to me, said, hey, we're going, to, we're going downtown. We're going to the bars. And I said, no, man, I, gotta, I got something I got to do today, tonight. And I stayed home. And I got on my knees. And for the first time, I spoke the words, God, I'm not a Christian, but I want to be one. And he met me in that place. I said, God, I've been doing life my way, and I'm done. And the way that I imagined it in my mind, I was raising the white flag of surrender, saying, God, I'm I'm tired of fighting against you. And he met me in that place. He forgave me of my sins. He filled me with his Holy Spirit, and my life began to change immediately, immediately from that point on. That's what it is to be born again. And what, that, what it means when, when we read he initiated it, he caused us to be born again, is that It gives us this confidence when we fail, when we fall on our faces, which we will, when we fall on our faces and and sin against Him for the 10,000th time and we think, God, are you done with me? Are you so sick of me and so tired of me that that was the last straw? We can remember, wait a minute, this wasn't my idea. You caused this. You started this. And what that means is he will finish it. You see, the fact that he knows everything, he knows the the end from the beginning, means that when he chose you, he knew what he was getting into. (laughs) 
He knew what a mess he was getting into. You know, when Jesus chose the disciples, it's not like he was surprised when they started blowing it and messing everything up. He knew exactly what he was getting into. And when he put his finger on your life and caused you to start searching for him, he knew exactly what he was getting into. And that gives us great confidence to live boldly and love sacrificially in the midst of this dark world. Let's look at the next part of verse 3 together. So it says, According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Y'all, this is so good. This is so good. Ah, All right, when, when we talk about hope, we mean like we wish something would happen. That's not, that's not what the Bible means when it uses the word hope, right? We say, I hope it won't snow in April. We know it's going to snow in April. <laughs> we say, I, I hope it won't, I, I, I hope I won't get sick. We're going to get sick, you know? The kid's over there snotting and and I'm like, I hope I don't get sick. I know I'm going to get sick. It's coming. It's going to go through the whole house. That's what we mean when we say hope. We mean I wish. I wish. That's not what the Bible means. When the Bible uses the word hope, it means confident, joyful expectation. That's what hope, according to the Bible, means. And hope is so crucial for us because if we don't have that kind of hope, biblical hope, living in this world will crush us. There's no, there's no way that we can live in this real world with all of its real trials and all of its real sufferings without real hope. And you, you know, I love the Bible. This book is so honest. It doesn't avoid any hard topics or any hard truths or realities. If anybody has ever made it sound like if you follow Jesus, your life will go so smooth, you know, you won't ever have any trouble, you won't have any issues, it's just going to be smooth sailing, that is so not the message of the Bible. Not even close. I mean, just a few verses later, in verse 6, Peter says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. This, this book is really honest about how hard life really actually is. You know, one, one book back, book of James, um, in the first chapter of James, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. It's an honest book. It's real. Listen, here's, here's the thing about being a Christian that is so incredible. It doesn't, it doesn't protect you from going through hard stuff, but what it tells you is that when you go through hard stuff, there will be a purpose behind it. None of it will be wasted. No trial 
will be wasted. No hard day, no hard month, no difficult year will be wasted. You will receive, because of your trials, an eternal weight of glory. What what that means is that God is going to use it all like a pressure cooker. He is forming you. Remember, this is a temporary assignment. This is not forever. But God has forever in mind. And so as you go through difficult things in this life, it is for your good. It is so that you can become the person that God intends for you to become for eternity. And I don't know about you, but that for me changes suffering. That that for me takes and it says, you know what? Everything is for my good. That's what the Bible says is that for those who are His, the ones He's adopted, the ones He loves, He's going to take everything, every trial, every suffering, every bit of pain, and He's going to use it for your good in the end. That's really good news. When you go through that hard thing, that dark night of the soul, what he's doing is he is making the roots of your faith go down deeper into the person of Jesus Christ. And, and I've been there. I've been, I have been in the dark night of the soul, curled up on my bathroom floor in the fetal position, so crushed by the weight of depression, I couldn't move from morning until night. I've been through the dark night of the soul. And you know, as I look back on it, I would never trade that for anything because that was the most shaping time of my life. God burned wicked things out of me, pride and self-confidence and and self-reliance. He trained me in that time. He made me into somebody different. And all of our trials are doing that. I love the honesty of this book. I love having hope no matter what life throws at me. What is our hope, though? What what is it ultimately in? What what is it that that, that we are ultimately standing upon that can give us a joyful, confident expectation? Look at what the verse says. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's what Peter's saying. Here's what the Holy Spirit through Peter is saying. Your hope Your living hope is a resurrected Jesus Christ. Your living hope is a person. And more than just any person, he's an immortal person. He's a person who's already died and can never die again. He's a person who has conquered death. He will live and reign for eternity. He is your living hope. And here's what happens. 
when you believe in the gospel, when you turn to him in faith and trust him, here's what happens according to the scriptures. You, your life gets connected to his life. You get permanently fused to Christ. And, and what that means for us is it means that now his death counts as though it were my death. His life counts as though it were my life. His righteousness counts as though it were my righteousness. And so, what does that mean? That means I can stand, not, not prostrate, not, not, not crushed, but I can stand in the presence of a holy God and be looked at as if I were perfectly righteous. That is mind-blowing. That is the gospel. That's our living hope. And what that means is if, if, if I have His righteousness and I am connected to Him, then God treats me as though I were His one and only beloved Son. Forever. What that means is that God, all of God, all of who He is, is entirely for me. Not like His, his love and mercy and grace is for me, but His justice, that's kind of like competing, and hopefully His, his love and His grace will win out in the end. No, 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 no. All, his justice is totally satisfied by Christ's death. Now, all of God, all of who He is, every bit of Him is on your side if you are a believer. All of who He is in His infinite nature, in all of His goodness, in all of His holiness, in all of His love, in all of His grace, in all of His justice, in all of His strength and power is all for you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, who could separate us from God? Who could ever keep us from receiving the good things that God intends to give to us? No one. No one ever. No height, no depth, no power of darkness, no bad thing that might happen in our world. No one in your family, no co-worker, no one who's harmed you, no sickness, nothing can ever separate you from God's love for you now because of Jesus Christ. And He is alive. He's your living hope. He is an immortal being standing at the right hand of God the Father with fire in His eyes and a face that shines bright as the sun. That Jesus the one that's in the book of Revelation, the one that's risen and glorified, the one who, when he speaks, it sounds like a waterfall, the one who's coming back riding the clouds, the one who's going to vanquish evil and crush darkness under his feet, the one who wins in the end, whose kingdom will be established here forever. He's our living hope. 
And that is a hope that will never disappoint. That is a hope that can give us unshakable, confident joy no matter what life throws at us. We can trust Him. We can know that we will never be separated from God's love. So as we wrap this up, I want to go ahead and invite uh, the band to come back up. And I want to go ahead and, if, if you have a relationship with Jesus today, you've already, you've believed this gospel, you've turned to Him and put your trust in Him. I want to speak to you for just a minute. And I want, to, I want to encourage you, you do not have to fall into the ditch of depressing cynicism about the world. You don't have to keep your eye on your social media feed or on the news and constantly live in the spiral of despair. You don't have to. You can, you can live with joy and peace today because of where your hope is. And you don't have to live with empty optimism, on the other hand, just saying it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. You can look to the future with eyes wide open, with confidence, because your hope is in an immortal being, the God-man, the perfect man, Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice. We can have confident, joyful expectation about the days ahead. Realistic expectation about the days ahead. And for those of you who are here and you, you're, maybe you have never put your hope in Jesus, you've never turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus, I want to invite you to do that today. What better day than Easter? There are a lot of people who, they say, you know, the day that I started it all, the day that my life was changed was on Easter. I gave my life to Him. I trusted Him for the first time. And I've never been the same since. I want to invite you to do that. To believe that He is a holy God. That your sin has separated you, you from Him. That Jesus came and died in your place and paid the penalty for it. But that he was raised on the third day to offer eternal life to everyone who would believe in him. If that's you, turn to him today. Turn to him today. Believe on him today. Let him change your life from the inside out. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your life. Thank you that you were willing to lay it down. That you were willing to lay your life down for sinners, for people who had turned their backs on you. That while we were your enemies, you came Thank you for reconciling us to God, for giving us new life. 
Thank you for being our living hope. Oh Lord, we love you. We worship you. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our lives. I pray now, Lord, do a work in us. I pray for those in this room who don't know you. Breathe on them. Breathe on them, Spirit of God. Give them life. Give them eternal life in Jesus Christ. Grant to them the gift of faith that they may turn from their sins and believe on you and be changed. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.